How do you imagine it? The precise moment of transformation. That moment when the clarity of water turns opaque in the six stone jars, a deep red staining the stone rims. How does it happen? One minute, water, the next, wine. I imagine it starting slowly, subtly, barely noticeable at first. The water started to shift, swirling with the sweetness of grapes, activated by unseen yeast, beginning a molecular rearrangement that culminates in the release of carbon dioxide, a conversion to ethanol, and finally, wine fit for a wedding feast. Our gospel text is silent on the how, or even the precise moment of when. The jars stand there empty. The wine has run out. Jesus' mother is insistent, knowing. Jesus is reluctant. My hour is not yet come. Again, her insistence. She doesn't want to hear his reluctance. And then, in him, a shift. Conviction. Fill the jars with water, he says. Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. By the time the chief steward tastes it, the water is already wine. This sudden realization of the already transformed wine comes in jarring contrast to Jesus' moments ago reluctance. Theologians have wrestled with what, have some, what some have called this divine reluctance of Jesus. Why would he pause in this moment to hold out even for a moment at his mother's request? We meet Jesus in this text at a critical moment in his ministry. He has just gathered his ragtag group of disciples all together. This first sign of John's gospel will plant a seed of revelation and ignite a rising expectation that will be hard to stop once it begins. And we know what happens next. In the very passage, in the the very next passage in this gospel text, he goes to Jerusalem, drives the money changers out of the temple, turns over the tables, prophesies the fall of the temple, signifies the destruction of his own body, and hints at the possibility of resurrection. There is a lot to come. As his ministry is about to be revealed, I imagined him feeling the weight of what is to come, pressing in on him, the expectation of what is needed to be done. What if he, in all of his beloved humanness, is a little uncertain about what is to happen once the water turns to wine, his divine glory revealed, his disciples beginning to tune in just to who he is? What if he isn't quite sure how it will all play out? To me, his reluctance makes a whole lot of sense. It's his sudden conviction, the water shifting, swirling, activating, rearranging, releasing, converting into good wine in response. That is harder for me to grasp. It's as if Jesus suddenly just knows, sees, trusts that transformation is possible. Transformation is 
possible. We read this text the day after a weekend where we honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. At a time when we wrestle with the difference between the promise of King's dream and the painful reality of the current day. At a political moment when the demands of Dr. King feel especially urgent, the King who called for an end to white supremacy, a disruption of an economic system where the rich get richer while the poor remain poor, the King who called for a radical redistribution of political and economic power, the King who called for nothing short of massive societal transformation. We read this text on a day, in a year, in an era where we might feel the weight of all that needs to be done to live up to Dr. King's dream pressing hard on us. As the long shadow of COVID-19 continues to reveal the deep chasms of inequality in our economy and in our society, as books are banned from school libraries, as white supremacy continues to reveal itself in toxic political discourse, as evictions threaten our school kids, and as the legacy of Dr. King himself is flattened into apolitical, Instagrammable, inspirational quotes, it is here, at this moment, when I lean hard on Jesus's miraculous, life-giving conviction that transformation is possible. We follow a teacher, a Messiah, who has conviction that transformation within our hearts, within our communities, within our institutions and our cities, that this is all possible. And this Messiah, who turns water into wine, who drives the money changers out of the temple, who turns over the tables, who prophesies the fall of the temple, who is nailed to a cross only to be raised on the third day, this Messiah has got to know something about transformation. With this, his first sign, with this vat of water turned to wine at a wedding at the beginning of his ministry, he is telling us, reminding us, maybe even reminding himself, that even amidst uncertainty, even if the time doesn't seem quite right, even when there is so much work to be done, even if we don't quite know how it happens, even when it is just the beginning of the journey, transformation is possible. This past weekend, I stood on Monument Avenue with a church youth group visiting Richmond from Washington, D.C., talking about transformation. We looked around the circle of grass, fenced in where the Robert E. Lee statue formerly stood, and we talked about the history of white supremacy in this city of continuous transformation. We talked about the protests, about the community space that had emerged for a beautiful moment, named for Marcus David Peters, where basketball games were played and dancers danced. We talked about the statues coming down and also about the fences going up, about how transformation is in both creation and destruction and how some transformation is healing while some is harmful, about how even with the statues down, much work remains towards a just city. We left space for complexity. They asked good, thoughtful questions. They got it. We noticed evidence of transformation all around us. We talked about how cities, just like us, are in continual transformation, continual creation, continual destruction, continual renewal. 
There is indeed so much work that needs to be done to live out Dr. King's dream for racial and economic justice, to follow Jesus's call towards transformation, to seek God's healing of our metropolitan city of Richmond, Virginia. This mission of Richmond Hill demands transformation in our politics, in our institutions, in our communities, and yes, in ourselves. And the good news, good news that I got a glimpse of in that conversation with those brilliant kids, the good news of this text is that somehow, somehow by the conviction of Jesus Christ, with the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, transformation, sweet, swirling, shifting, water to wine, statue tumbling, city healing, death to resurrection, transformation is possible. Thanks be to God. Amen.